Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I know you've come to realize that it's hard to watch anything on television that's not corrupt and anti-Christian. And so, my wife and I have started pulling things up like AGT, America's Got Talent, and trying to find things like that, and, and one of our were. Uh, favorite things to do is to pull up America's Got Talent and watch the children. Those are the best episodes. And so the other night we did that, and when we did, there was this little girl that came out on stage. She was five years old. She was just as cute as she could be. And they asked her what she was going to do, and she said she would sing and dance. And so... So she did, and she did a beautiful job. She received a standing ovation, and the crowd was just screaming. It was just precious. It really was. And then one by one, the judges gave their comments, and they were all positive. And then the last judge that spoke, and I'll just go ahead and tell you this, and you know there's a lot of different judges on America's Got Talent, but the last judge that spoke was one known to be for many, many years an ungodly man, just has a horrible reputation. And he said to her, he said, I loved your dance so much and your song. And he said, I grew up watching Shirley Temple. And she just lit up. She said, I watch Shirley Temple. And he said, well, I want to tell you that I believe there's a little Shirley Temple in you. And she got real stern faced and she said, no, there is not. She said, Jesus loves, uh, lives in me. And so, so praise the Lord. We need to tell the world that Jesus lives in us. And better than that, we need to show the world that Jesus lives in us. Today, I want to speak to you on the message entitled Brokenness. Brokenness. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a great subject, but I think God will use it today, and it's what He's placed on my heart. I'm talking about the state of being broken. I'm talking about being in a place in your life where you are devastated and crushed and maybe shut down in your tracks, lost all your joy, and maybe even a a deeper sense of brokenness where you become aware that there is nothing attractive or desirable about you and that you are completely unhealthy without Christ leading and guiding in your life. Now, this is one of the things that's hard to understand about the Bible, and that is that God loves brokenness. God loves brokenness. He, he really does. Uh, he uses brokenness. And 
And when people are broken, God pays attention. There, I, I read this. I believe this is one of the quotes from the great evangelist Vance Havner. This is what he said. He said, God uses broken things, broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength, and broken people to do great things. That's an amen, isn't it? If that were not true, none of us would be here today. God uses brokenness, broken people. And, uh, and it's amazing what God can do with broken people. My first pastor that I truly fell in love with used to say, God can strike a mighty lick with a crooked stick. That when he has you in his hands, even though you may be broken and it may not be exactly like it ought to be, God can use you. A teenage girl stood up in the congregation and walked forward. This was when I was pastoring over in Alabama. And when she walked forward, she walked up to me and reached for the microphone. I handed her the microphone. She turned to the congregation and started talking. And she said, and this is very close. It's been a long time, but this is very close. But she said something like this. She said, I am so sorry. And I am so disappointed in myself. And he, she said, I, I feel like a total incomplete failure. And then she paused and with tears streaming down her face, she said to the congregation, just a teenage girl, she said, I'm pregnant. And she said, I knew it was wrong. She said, I was raised better. She said, I knew it was a sin. And she said, I've asked God to forgive me and now I'm going to ask my church to forgive me. And she said, I know it was wrong, but I also know that abortion is wrong. And I can't go that route. And then she said to the church, crying, it was almost hard to understand what she was saying. But she said, I need you. I'm so sorry. I repent. I know it was wrong. I'm not making any excuses. But she said, I need you more now than ever before. She said, please, Don't reject me. Please help me. And I got to tell you, church, I saw something that day that was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. I saw an entire congregation gather around her. And as they were hugging her and putting their arms around her, they were saying things like this. We love you. We will not reject you. We will stand by you. We will help you. We will help you raise this baby in the house of the Lord. And I watched that, and friends, I just want to tell you, there it was. There it was on public display, brokenness and beauty all mingle together. You see, her brokenness brought forth something beautiful in her. And her brokenness also brought something brought something out that was beautiful in us. 
Now, not one person in that church ever said it was okay or it was all right or that it wasn't a sin, but every person in that church that day saw something beautiful in her brokenness. I got to tell you, it, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Now, it's been a while back, but that young lady, not a teenager anymore, has traveled from Alabama to bring her daughter, and they have attended our church. And I got to tell you, every time I see them, every time I see them, every time I think about them, it reminds me of one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in church, and it was all centered around brokenness. Owning up to what has gone on in your life. I got to tell you, the Bible is just filled with stuff like that. Brokenness. That's what she was broken. It made all the difference in the world. And it was absolutely something beautiful. Now, church, here's what I want to tell you. Don't be afraid of brokenness. Don't be afraid of tears. I heard somebody say America's in trouble because we've got a dry church in a hell-bent world. Oh, my stars. Don't be afraid of brokenness. Don't be afraid of tears. Don't be afraid of repentance. Don't be afraid of an honest confession of sin. Because I'm telling you this morning, it is and it will be many times in your life the only pathway to get you into the healing presence of our Lord. And it'll do more than that. I mean, nothing's better than that, but it will do other things than that. Uh, A good dose of brokenness and humility can heal a sick marriage. It can mend a relationship. It it can get you back on the right track when you know you've made a, a huge mistake. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that there is something about our brokenness that's beautiful in the eyes of God. And I believe with all my heart after all these years of ministry that it is the place where our lives really start changing and where ministry begins. And it's in brokenness. Think about it. It's a theme in the Bible. It's one of the major themes in the Bible. And And it just keeps on keeping on. If you read your Bible, it's easy to miss all this. But let me just refresh your memory just a a little bit. Abraham. What a great man of God Abraham was. The father of many nations. But do you know what the Bible says? That when Abraham got in the presence of the Lord, he said, Lord, I am but dust and ashes before you. Do you know what that means? I'm dirt. I'm just dirt. I'm a heap of something that's already been destroyed. Dust and ashes. And yet God used him mightily. He was broken. And then think about this Simon Peter. Simon Peter was in the presence of the Lord and he watched Jesus perform a miracle. And immediately after Jesus performed that miracle, you know what Simon Peter said? He said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Oh my goodness. Simon Peter saw a miracle and then he came to this awareness that he didn't need to be in the presence of something so good, so holy, so powerful. He said, he was basically saying, Lord, you don't need me on your team. I'm not the kind of person you want on your team. But you know what we know about Simon Peter? God used him. 
God used him and thousands were saved under his ministry. And God's still blessing his ministry. How about Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament? What a, what a man of God he was. God called him. God called him and brought him into the ministry. And God started using him, and he wrote a lot of stuff, and he was, he, he was this man of God, the man of the hour, the prophet of the Most High God. And then one day God just opened up and let him see the throne of God. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And you know how he responded to that? Woe is me, for I am undone. I am undone. I looked that word up, undone, in the text. It means to be unraveled. It means to be completely devastated. It, it, it means to be, be completely washed up. That's, that's what it means, and that's what he said. I, you see, it's a theme in the Bible. And it doesn't stop there. <clears throat> John, the apostle John, was the youngest of the disciples. Some of the theologians believe he was as young as 15 or 16 years old when Jesus called him. I don't know why we think of the disciples as old men. They were not. Jesus was 33 years old when he died, began his ministry at 30 years old, and all of his disciples were younger than him. And some thought John was like 15 years old. And the Bible actually says that he leaned upon the breast of Jesus. And, and, and when they would sit and talk, John was the one that would sit by him and lean back and I can just see Jesus with his arm around him talking to the other disciples. Oh, nobody was closer to Jesus than John. John, what a, what a privileged position. John spoke of himself from time to time as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, didn't he love all of them? Yeah, but he loved John the most. At least John thought that. <laughs> Maybe you and I should think that also. John walked with him for three years in his physical form. But then one day John saw him in his glorified form. And John fell to the ground like a dead man. He was done. The moment he saw that. I'm trying to get you to understand that there is a common denominator. There's a theme when it comes to these great men and these great women and these great, great servants of God. The Apostle Paul wrote so much in the Scriptures. What will we do without the writings of the Apostle Paul? But do you know what he said? Now, I'm going to paraphrase, but you can find it. Paul said, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance. That's kind of like me standing up and saying, I'm going to tell you a story and this one's actually true. This is a faithful saying and is worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and I am the chief of sinners. Paul, Paul says, I'm the worst one of all. Now, it, and he doesn't stop there. You know, later on, this is what Paul says. He says, within me dwells no good thing. Every now and then somebody will come to me and they'll try to convince me of how good they are. And the more they try to convince me, the more I do not believe them. Because you get in the presence of God. That's not what happened. Paul said, within me dwells no good thing and I don't even know how to do what's right. I don't know the right thing to do. Wow. 
amazing. Here, this is my, this is my favorite one out of the Old Testament. I identify with this more than any other passage on this subject. It's Job 42, verses 5 through 6. This is what he said. Job's talking to God. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now, he's talking to God now, but now my eye sees you, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know what that word abhor means? It means to despise. It means to hate. Job said, I've known about you for a long time, but now that I see you, I hate myself. I'm I'm destroyed in your presence. Now, so here's a question. Maybe you can help me answer this question. So, was it brokenness that got them into the presence of the Lord? Or was it the presence of the Lord that brought forth the brokenness? What do you think? I actually think it was both. I think it was their brokenness that got them to the point that the light and love of Jesus could shine upon their hearts that took them to a deeper level of brokenness and humility. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now, you may be thinking right now, how is it possible that these great servants of the Lord, perhaps the greatest servants of the Lord, how is it possible that they would say all these terrible things about themselves? Billy Graham answers that question. Here it is. The closer you get to Christ, the more sinful you're going to feel. Everyone who's ever seen a true reflection of God is deeply convicted of his own sin. Wow. The closer we get, the worse we feel. That doesn't sound like feel-good Christianity, does it? I can tell you, friends, the closer you get, the more sinful you'll feel. But when Jesus is finished with you, he'll have you ready to do something amazing. And it is, it is so important. Did you know that the Bible actually encourages brokenness? Listen to Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. You want to sacrifice something? You want to sacrifice to the Lord? This is what he wants. He wants a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite. The word contrite in the Old Testament means repentant or remorseful. He wants a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. You see, friends, we can make a few changes in our lives. But we can't make the changes we need. We can make some changes. And by the way, I highly recommend you make some changes. I've been making some changes. About eight weeks ago, I did this crazy thing. I was under some extremist influence. And I went on this diet. (laughs) And let me tell you what's not on this diet. Almond Joy's. Pecan pies, (laughs) peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, 
and milkshakes from Hardee's. <laughs> now, now, that was about one-third of my reason for living right there. <laughs> and, but I agreed because I had had this terrible problem with my blood pressure spiking. So I go on this diet, and uh, I've lost 15 pounds. 15 pounds. I'm so proud of me, I don't know what to do. <laughs> By the way, Pastor Al Terrell, who's not here today, but he'll be back and in the pulpit soon, has lost over 100 pounds. And I tell you, just 15 pounds, I was on two blood pressure medications, one in the morning and one at night, and now I'm taking no blood pressure medication. None. And my blood pressure is down, unless I'm preaching. But then I decided if I die while I'm preaching, it's going to be a better service for me than for you anyway. You see, there's, you, can do, you can make some minor changes, and these are just minor things. You can lose weight. You can stop eating the junk. You can exercise a little bit. You can study the Word of God. You can memorize scriptures. You can even take some of the principles of God's Word and start putting them to practice in your life. You, you can break some, some bad habits. There's all kinds of things you can do. And I recommend all of those things to you. But I'm here to tell you, friends, there is nothing you can ever do that will change the real you. The core of who you are, the deep down person inside, the one that the Bible calls the inner man. You see, the only way you get to that place It's through brokenness and humility and remorse. And and you start down that road, but you can't even go all the way down that road. You go far enough that the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you. And then he starts showing you things about you. And so uh, I highly recommend to you today brokenness. Let me see. I may have a, a few more scriptures here. That's Psalm 50, uh, 51, verse 17. How about Psalm 34, 18? The Lord is near to the, say it, brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I don't quite understand it, but there is something amazingly supernatural about getting broken before a holy God and God drawing near in that situation. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud. Friends, I want to tell you, if there is one ounce of arrogance and conceit and self-centeredness in you, God is nowhere close to you. And I have been there before, and I testify that it is not a good place to be. Oh, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, to those who will humble themselves and be broken before a holy God. 
But listen to me. The illustration I gave you about the teenage girl a moment ago, she did something wrong. She did something sinful. She did something she shouldn't have done. She got honest about it. The church responded, and there was a great deal of Christian beauty in that situation. It was out of order. But I'm here to tell you today that But even when we are at our very best, even if you're at a place today, and I'm sure there are people here today that say, I can't name one unconfessed sin in my life. I mean, I've sinned, but I've got it all under the blood. And I can't think of one unconfessed sin. I'm telling you that you still need to be broken. I'm telling you, you still need to have a lifestyle of repentance. I'm telling you that you still need to have remorse and you need to be able to bow before the Lord and stay on the right track. I've had two experiences recently of this brokenness. And you know, some of the prophets in the Old Testament, God would let them live through something so they could minister something. Well, I kind of feel like I'm in that category today. The Lord's let me live through something A couple of things, and I'll share two of them with you this morning. And that is that I came to the worship center to pray. And I I love praying, and and I go to different places. But sometimes I'll slip into this worship center all by myself. And I came in a while back, and I picked up one of those little communion cups and bread back in the back. I walked in here, and I put it down right there, and I dropped down on my knees, and I was going to pray for a few moments and then take communion and share my petitions with the Lord. But I didn't get very far because when I got on my knees, I started praying, and I started drawing close. I don't know how to explain it, but I knew I was getting close to the presence of God. And the closer I got, the worse I felt. And I was praying, and then all of a sudden, some words came out of my mouth, and I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart, those words were generated by the Holy Spirit because I'd never thought or heard these words in my whole life. And there in that moment of just being overwhelmed, this is what I said right out loud. It even shocked me when I said it. I said, my God, my God, why have you not forsaken me? Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I felt myself praying, my God, my God, why have you not forsaken me? Have you heard people talk about and say this? I don't know whether it's true or not, but right before you die, your whole life flashes in front of you. Well, I was having one of those flashing moments. And I started seeing. I was there. I I actually, led of the Holy Spirit, I started thinking about all the commitments I'd made to the Lord that I didn't keep. I thought about all the times that I was selfish and self-centered. I thought about all the times that I had done the right thing. I, I did what I was supposed to do, but I didn't have the right motive. I was doing it just because I was supposed to do it. I thought about the times that I've done things my way rather than God's way. I thought, about, I, I thought about the times that I had spoken harshly to my own wife. 
this gift from God that I love with all my heart, this, this precious gift that I had treated rudely at times. Ah, let, me, let me share something with you today, friends. When you dare to go into the presence of the Lord God, things will come to the surface that you have no idea that it's even there, and there's some ugliness within us that will surface in the presence of God. And I was crying out. I'm glad nobody was here. I was crying out, my God, my God, why have you not forsaken me? Why? You know me better than anybody else, and you're still blessing me. Your hand is still upon me, and you're still lavishing me with your love. Oh, God. Why have you not forsaken me? Now, don't come up to me after the service and try to straighten me out theologically. I know why he hasn't forsaken me. I know why he hasn't forsaken you because he did forsake his son. He turned his back on his own son so he wouldn't have to turn his back on us. He let his own son die so we could live. Oh, friends, I know the theology. I also know the pain of the brokenness of the realization of my own failures. And I kept crying out, and I prayed, and I finally took that communion, and I said, thank you, God, for the blood that covers. Thank you, God, for the blood that washes our sins away. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. And I, I, I took that cup. I, I, I did the same thing with the bread. God, thank you for taking my stripes. And, and then I, I went through the brokenness. I didn't stay there. I went through the brokenness, and I began to feel the refreshing presence of the Lord. It says it in the Bible, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We want refreshing times without repentance and without brokenness. It just doesn't work that way. And i got to tell you, by the time I finished... I almost danced out of this church. I felt like I'd been in a spiritual car wash where all the abrasive brushes and cleansing of the Lord was just slamming against me and I saw the ugliness of my own heart, mind, and my life. But I also got to see the beauty of our God. I tell you, I felt so clean. It just made a difference. I saw the beauty of brokenness. Let me give you one more. I've got time for one more. A while back, I took a 30-day sabbatical. I don't think I'll ever take another sabbatical in my life. (laughs) It was the worst month of my life. I mean, I spent weeks in a recliner on a heating pad. I was sick. I was nauseated. It was just horrible. And I got to tell you, I started praying. Man, I was praying day and night. I was crying out for help. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened. Nothing happened. And, and, and Beth knew that I was getting real frustrated. Come on. Don't look like you don't know what I'm talking about. Those times that you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and, and nothing. There's just nothing there. Nothing there. There's, there's no good reason 
to kind of live in self and denial, sometimes we go through bad spots, don't we? And I had prayed, and one night, uh, I got up from the recliner, and I walked into the bedroom, and I fell down on my knees by the bed, and I just draped over the bed like this, and I began to pray. And uh, I don't know, I was just so discouraged. I was so disappointed. I just, I, I, all that I've shared with you today, I felt all of those things. And I began to pray just for a moment, not about anything, not for anything, just, oh God, I'm in a mess. And all of a sudden, I started weeping. I'm not talking about a few tears coming down my face. I'm talking about I started I started weeping and crying, and it was uncontrollable, and, and I, I couldn't stop, and it got louder and louder, and, and Beth hears me. She comes into the bedroom, and she just kind of falls on top of me. I'm kneeling by the bed, and she's over me like this, and she starts praying with me, and I am crying, and I am crying, and I'm ashamed And I'm embarrassed because a man's not supposed to cry like that in front of his wife. At least that's what we think, isn't it? And I I tried since she was with me. I tried to stop crying, but I couldn't. And then as soon as I, I kind of regained my composure, she said, her very words, she said, it's going to be all right. And I just busted out and started crying again. I don't know what it was about that. I just, I boo-hooed. I mean, I was crying. I, I, I just, it was horrible. I, I don't know about these people that can cry nicely <laughs> and respectfully. I mean, I just, I got all kinds of bodily fluids. I mean, it's nasty. And, and I, I am crying. I mean, I am crying. And, and I can't stop. And I just kept crying. And she stayed with me. And I, I actually thought she'll never have respect for me again. Men, I want you to listen to me. And every woman in this house will testify. That's a lie from the devil. That's, that's what a wife wants. She wants a husband that can bow before a holy God and weep for the children, weep for the family, weep for for a destitute nation. That's what a wife wants. And I am crying. And then all of a sudden, I'm telling you the weirdest thing I think has ever happened to me. God spoke to me right in the middle of all that. And we did a quick cry. He spoke to me, and this is what God said. I want you to give something away. And he told me what he wanted me to give away. Where is this coming from? This is out of nowhere. You want me to give something away? I turned to Beth, and I said, God just spoke to me. We've got to give something away. I've told a very few people about this other than, than Beth. I said, we've got to give something away, and we did. We had something that God wanted us to give away. And I still don't completely understand that. But here's what I want you to understand. At that moment, there was rejoicing in my heart. You know why? Because I heard the voice 
of God speaking to me. And since that time, I've been hearing the voice of God. So listen, have you ever called somebody that you needed to talk to, you needed an answer, you needed a response, it was important, it was somewhat urgent, and you call somebody, and when you get them on the phone, there's a lot of static, and words are being dropped, and you need them, but you can't hear. You can't hear what they're saying. There's just a bad connection. You know what I'm talking about? Well, friends, sometimes that's exactly what my prayer life looks like. I'm calling out to the Lord, but there's a bad connection. And here's what I've learned. Brokenness clears up the bad connection between us and God. When he sees us broken, God starts speaking. And and, and those are two monumental experiences that I've had recently that have made a difference. And I I, I just want to encourage you down the road of brokenness. Let Let me tell you something. There's some husband or wife listening to me right now, and I'm telling you that you can talk about your problems until the Lord returns and you'll never solve them, but you get broken before God and God will do a work in your family. He'll do amazing things. It is through our brokenness that God does it. One last story out of the Bible, not mine. God said to Jeremiah, I got a message from my people, but I want you to go down to the potter's house so I can give you that message. He goes down to the potter's house. He sees the potter sitting there. There's a lump of clay on the wheel, and he's making a vessel, and then it becomes obvious that the vessel is marred. It's broken. There's a flaw in it. And then the potter does this. He just takes the vessel. It's, it's made already. It's just flawed. It's broken. And the potter takes the clay and just crushes it again, throws it back down on the potter's wheel and starts again. And this time the Bible says he makes a vessel pleasing, beautiful. And then God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, cannot I do with my people what the potter has done with the clay? Do you hear me today, friends? God says, cannot I do with my people? Every one of us, we have flaws, we have mistakes, we have weaknesses. And I want to tell you, there's a place where we can go. It, It requires some brokenness, some repentance, some remorse. It it requires us coming to a place where we know. Listen, we don't like this in modern-day theology, but it requires coming to a place where you all of a sudden realize that you have absolutely nothing to offer Him. You have nothing to offer Him except your broken heart. But God can take your brokenness and do something special with it. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I hope and pray I've said something today that will stir your heart and cause you to take at least a first step toward brokenness and repentance and remorse. And maybe something I've said today would cause you to 
take off any facade, any cloak of, of conceit, and just go after the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Father, would you bless us today if there's somebody here who's never met you? And Lord, I pray in humility and brokenness and repentance that that individual will put their faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior. And Father, for those of us who know you, we're not exempt. If the connection has grown cold, if we're not hearing your voice, if we're not walking with you, then the enemy has drawn us away, Lord. And Lord, we know the way back home is through brokenness and humility and repentance and remorse. And so, Father, I pray today that we will respond. And Lord, that you would meet us here at this altar as we begin this journey of brokenness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing? If you need to Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.